Thank you, Irene. The last part of the book of Isaiah, from chapters 49 to 66, as I said a couple of weeks ago, was written at a time when the Jewish people were ready to depart from their captivity in Babylon back to their native land. Unexpectedly, Cyrus, the new ruler, had said, go home. We don't want you here anymore. You're free to go back and to rebuild your cities and to restructure your whole society. And so these chapters are just filled with joy and expectation. We get through these like this, hymn after hymn, of people just astounded at what's going to happen and overwhelmed by the emotion they feel from it. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. There is a brimming of joy, expectation, hope. Everyone is jumping up and down. And this is not just in a usual sense of this is a good thing, we're happy this happened, this is a good day, but rather a much deeper sense that they realize that in this unfolding of history of which they were a part, God was active. God was there. God was going to rename them, give them a whole new sense of their being. God was going to rebuild them. God was going to rejoice over them. And so the people were filled with gladness, and this section of Scripture was filled with expectation and hope. And It's not alone. Actually, when you read through Scripture, you realize how much of it is this kind of deep, enduring joy, because people looked at the world and saw something going on much bigger than their own dreams. Something unexpected, something new, something different. In the Psalms, for example, the word praise is there 170 times. And you add into it words like rejoice and be happy and worship. They're just filled with this, this wonderful sense that the world is a good place and good things are happening. And this was actually common in most of the older religions of the world. There was a great overflowing of joy. I must say, as Protestants, our overjoy overflowing with joy looks very much like this congregation right now. <laughs> we are overflowing with joy, yes indeed. When we think of the temple, for example, we tend to think of a worship service. It wasn't, it was a loud and boisterous and very noisy place. Of course, the priests were up at the front. There were animals being slaughtered. There was blood being spilled. There was water being thrown around. And then people in the porticos around the outside of the temple were busy having theological discussions. People were singing. People were dancing. We were told there was one man who used to juggle in the name of God. Just happiness. You just go out and you just do it because it's boiling up from inside of you. There was a whole lot of praising going on. As human beings, we have in some ways always understood that when we truly praise, when we celebrate, when we step outside of the ordinary, outside of what we always think and always do and open ourselves to what is new and possible and dynamic in the world, we change not only ourselves but also the world around us. When we truly worship, we change not only ourselves but also the world around us. Meeting on Sunday morning now is a time when we're changing, when you're, we're renewing, 
celebrating is at its best, as it should be, a dynamic and transformational process. It invites us to step out into something new. It's like a trip to Disneyland. One of the young people this morning was wearing Disneyland pants, and I thought of that. You know, when you go to Disneyland, you may end up haggard and tired. You know, you've just got off the plane. Your hotel wasn't what you expected. And then you get in that magic kingdom, and, you know, you go into the haunted house, and then, well, what can we go next? Let's go over here. We're going over here. Look at that. I've never seen that. There's good. Remember one night, I think we went on Space Mountain 12 times in a row. We just kept running around. And let's go on it again, Dad. And we'd run around. I think they were closing it by the time we, we got off. But it's that feeling that life has something just over there that I, I haven't experienced before and I want to. And that's really what celebration is supposed to make us feel like, that there's something just over there that we haven't got. Usually, you know, we, we step out into each day with the same view of ourselves and the world around us. It's very stagnant. The seasons may change, the weather may change, our situation in life may even change, but we are just the same. I'm getting up this morning, and I'll get out of bed, and I'll have a raisin bread. My, my wife brought the biggest box of raisins. Oh, my. I think 2019 is going to be the year of raisin bran. But, you know, we, we do the same thing every day, and we approach things, and this is the important part, the same way. I'm going to go to work, and on the way to work, the emotion you have pretty well every day is the same. I'm going to do this. I feel the same about it. Worship says, no, no, try to shake it up. Try to see something new in life. And so at times we need just to step aside and to celebrate. The problem with most of our major celebrations is that we're so exhausted during them that we really don't celebrate. How many of you experienced Christmas this year? Yes, indeed. You know, you've got the turkey, you've got the dressing, you've got the stuffing, you've got presents, you've got to decorate things. Jim and George are coming in from Toronto. I mean, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And so, yeah, I'm celebrating. I'm running off my feet, and then Christmas is over. No, now we've got to do New Year's, and then New Year's over, and now I'm back at work. And I guess somewhere in there, I was probably celebrating and happy. So it's better. Yeah, do the big things. But try in your own life, and especially in your own family life, your own community life, to create moments when you do. Just stop. But I've got so much to do. No, you don't. Celebration is what changes you, what changes the world. You know, find something. It can be little things. How many here celebrate November 21st? <laughs> November 21st is the year that Dorothy, my wife, came to Canada. It's Dorothy came to Canada Day. It's known as in Scotland as Mad Marie and the kids finally left. But here it's known as as Dorothy came to Canada. And and every year we go out to dinner. Now I don't know. We talk about you know what it was like when she came. We hear the stories. But it was a t it's a time you you put aside what was before and what was after, and you suddenly concentrate. As I said in the meditation, on what is now. And this is good. I can feel good in life. I may not have felt good when I got up this morning. I may go to work feeling miserable. But at this moment, I can feel something different and something better. Many years ago, I went to uh, Cornavaca in Mexico, which is a city just over the mountains from Mexico City. And when I was there, uh, the operator of the institute we were at said, we should go over to Tepetzlan. Tomorrow is Shrove Tuesday, and they have a celebration. 
And so we went to Tepetzlan. This is just one picture of it. Now, that looks like a marching band, but it isn't. When we got to the town, it was filled with people. They were just packing in there. It was wonderful. And everybody had something. Some people were dressed up in costumes. There were real flowers. There were fake flowers. There were traditional costumes. There were way-over-the-top costumes. There were trumpets. There were piccolos. That most people had either a guitar or a drum of some kind. And they were all getting in the main square and walking, singing, dancing, celebrating around the square. Around and around and around. Now, of course, again, as a good North American, I was waiting for the program to begin. You know, the mayor will now step up and welcome us, and we'll have a guest speaker, and maybe somebody will sing a song. Or No, they just went around and around and around the square. And when you got tired of walking or you got uh, tired from blowing your trumpet, you went over and you went to the market and bought something or had a snack, and then you went back and went around and around the square again. And at first I thought, yep, these people have been out in the sun far, far too much. You know, this, this is not what we're after. And then I realized this is meditation. This is celebration. This is people who had many, many serious problems. Out breaking away from the past, not worrying about the future, and simply together laughing and shouting and screaming and going around the square, some on other people's shoulders. I think we have that there. It, it, was, it was a wonderful time, and I got to realize this is celebration. This is what it is. It's not about words. It's not about we are happy because, and I have the list here of things that we're happy about. We're just plain happy, and for this moment, we're going to feel that power in us. Matthew Fox, in his book, Compassion, said this, Only a psychology of celebration yields compassionate persons, because it is in celebration that we learn to forget our self-consciousness, our bodies, our egos, our fears, our problems, our self-images, our positions of status or lack of status, and remember our ultimate wholeness and therefore holiness. For all celebration is an act of forgetting in order to remember. Thus, celebration requires acts of forgetting, and it is in the very energy that is expressed in celebrating, for example, in folk dancing, that such forgetting and remembering is effected. In celebration, we forget the superficial, all the problems in the past, not there anymore, all the problems in the future haven't even arrived yet, in order to remember the deep. In celebration, we forget the superficial in order to remember the deep. That's what we're here for today, to remember the deep. This gives us a freedom. We can feel something different when we walk back out in the world. You know, we often say, how do I change how I feel? I want to be more content. I want to have more peace. I, I want to be happier. In celebration, you are those things, and then all you need is hold on to them. I can feel this way. And when you feel that way, then you can do different things. Therefore, I can do this. You know, I have a lot of energy in me. I'm going to go in tomorrow, and I'm going to tell Joyce in the office that she's got to stop doing what she's been doing. You know, I can, I can do it. It's changed me somehow because I, I know who I really am. Now, the more cynical among you will be saying, yeah, you're just fooling yourself. You know, you're just saying, yeah, I can do this, and I can do that, and I can feel this. No, you're really 
feeling it. When you're here today, I hope you're happy. I hope maybe you've smiled once. Some of you did, actually. I saw that. But, you know, this is, this is the wonder of celebration. And then the secret is to take that with you into the future. I can be a happy person. I can relax. But you remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. But in spite of that, I can still relax. But you know that. Yeah, I know that may happen. But right now, God with me, I can still be joyful. And then we can begin reacting to new clusters of information that hit us in a different way. Instead of immediately being defensive or immediately being angry or immediately being sad, we can say, wait a minute, is there another way I can deal with this that's a little bit more upbeat? Um, uh, Wolfhard Pannenberg said this in Theology and the Kingdom of God. In this way, we see the present as an effect of the future. In contrast to the conventional assumption that the past and present are the cause of the future. Think about it. In this way, we see the present as an effect of the future. We know what's coming. It touches, we have dreams about what can be. See, here's what he's talking about. We have dreams about how we want to be. I have dreams about being a, a better person. That is now going to affect my life, and I'm going to go out, and that's the way I'm going to be. And it is in this way that we change not only ourselves, but the world. Celebration is often seen as something extra. You know, when you have some time left over at the end of a busy day, you'll sit down and have a ginger beer to, to celebrate the day. You know, this it's been good. You'll sneak down to the fridge and get out the chocolate, chocolate, double chocolate dip ice cream that you've got and say, yeah, this makes me feel better. That, that, that may be a start. Not it may be a healthy start, but it can be a start. But celebration, therefore, is not something extra. It's something we need. We need to set aside times regularly, whether it's 10 minutes of meditation to celebrate quietly, or a wonderful, boisterous night down uh, the pig and whistle from your house with old friends, remembering the past and saying, by George, we've had a great life together. Celebration takes us and moves us to a place new. We come here on Sunday to rethink our lives, to rethink our priorities, to see who we really want to be in us and say, you know, I feel I can be that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try God with me. And for this understanding, for this truth, for this opportunity to change and to be transformational for the world, thanks be to God. Our final hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. <laughs>